Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Sundance Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, I have seen three movies in the last, like, four hours, five hours. It's just bad, bad, bad timing, bad timing. (laughs) Uh, Eric made a little tech mistake, as uh, Eric does, and he uh, started two movies this morning going, and then calls me, not messages me, which is an emergency (laughs) situation. Going, Matt, I started two movies. Does that mean they're going to expire in five hours? I was like, it absolutely does mean that. And you're like, well, I'll see you in six hours. I'm going to go watch a couple movies. And, uh, you know, that's how a festival goes sometimes. You know, you're you're loopy. You've been watching movies nonstop. On top of that, you have to do your other day job of reviewing stuff that's coming out right now and, you know, family stuff and cooking dinner and all this stuff while you're trying to watch three, four movies a day at home. So I definitely understand it. Thank you, Eric, for, um, you know, toughing it out. Not toughing I'm a hero. It out. It's, it's very <laughs> we're very privileged to be able to cover the Sundance Film Festival this year. Um We've done a few reviews already. You guys can check out uh, for Fair Play. Uh, and oh my God, how do I magazine dreams? What else? <laughs> magazine dreams. So go check those out on YouTube or on this podcast uh, feed right now that you're on. Um, uh, Eric, other yes. than uh, your your wild morning of a uh, of a double feature, how are uh, you doing? Triple feature, please, Matt. Triple. I, oh my God. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. My Fairyland, uh, Infinity Pool, and the movie we will be discussing, Eileen, literally back to back to back. And I love that. Uh, it was not intentional. Uh, as as Matt a three mentioned. movie day before noon. Yes. Or before one or something. That's wild. It's <laughs> um, like having yes. drinking <laughs> for a film critic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as Eric mentioned, we will be reviewing William Oldroyd's Eileen, starring. Thomasin McKenzie, Anne Hathaway, uh, Shea Wiggum, uh, and more. Uh, you guys Police might know Chief William Wiggum. Old- yeah, <laughs> William Oldroyd. He was the director of uh, Lady Macbeth uh, with Florence Pugh, if you remember that or got to check that out. Uh, I forget what year it was, but a few years back, right? Yeah, played in the platform section in TIFF and kind of was uh, an introduction for a lot of people because Florence Pugh at that point had been in a couple of smaller movies. Uh, like falling, but it was, was kind a very of a smaller British breakout movie. role, right? Yeah, played in the platform section uh, at TIFF, and then actually also carried over to Sundance uh, the, the the following year. And so that movie um, really brought a lot of attention, not only to her, uh, but Naomi Aki as well, who's in the film. And um, Oldroy, I, it, he was one of those guys where it's like, okay, whatever he does next, people are going to kind of you know pay a little bit more attention. And it just seemed like nothing was ever happening. There was a couple projects that he was putting together. I remember interviewing him for Lady Macbeth, and he was telling me about one of the projects that he was working on, and it was a passion project of his, and it kind of, I guess, fell through or was you know, put to the wayside. So it's good to see him back and doing another period piece, but one that takes place in the 60s in Boston and not uh, in London during kind of, or, or, or uh, on the Moors, pardon me, uh, in uh, the, I believe it's the 17th uh, century. So yeah, uh, I'll do, I'll give you guys a quick synopsis of what uh, Eileen is, and then we'll get right into it since you guys 
a lot of the movies at Sundance, it's just kind of going in, not knowing anything about them other than like we mentioned, maybe a director we're interested in or some stars like Thomas and Mackenzie and Anne Hathaway. So, uh, Eileen, Eileen is working at a prison in 1960s, New England when a captivating and glamorous counselor arrives and helps her access new faucets, facets of her personality. (laughs) (laughs) we're losing it Uh, of her personality but maybe drawing her into something more dangerous uh eric i'll kick it back over to you yes uh what did you think of eileen matt anne hathaway is nothing short of awe-inspiring in eileen and it's a tonal tightrope filled with plenty of pulp you get the sense that this movie Unlike as much as I, I do love Todd Haynes's Carol and Anthony <laughs> Minghella's, uh The Talented Mr. Ripley, the one thing that those two movies kind of seem to veer off a little bit of is the kind of lurid quality that a lot of those books have, whether they be from Patricia Highsmith or Jim Thompson or people that were writing, you know, these kind of B tier, not even plain books, but kind of like seedy kind of underbelly noir storylines that played in tropes and caricatures and embraced that in a very kind of stylized manner here. This movie maybe isn't as um, well kind of conceived overall in comparison to those other two movies I mentioned, but what it has that those films don't is a depravity it has moments that are kind of gross and disgusting but in a way that works within the milieu of film noir that shows kind of the darker side of humanity and also the kind of perversion of characters under duress and that i think in itself makes this more of an erotic thriller than say something like fair play, which we reviewed and not that it's a complete erotic thriller, but there are moments that are very much in line with even like the neo-noirs of the nineties, you know, this, this plays very much in that milieu. Well, I think those neo-noirs and erotic thrillers are pretty close, right? Like I would say it's almost even a sub genre of, of a neo-noir or film noir. Yeah. I, I really dug this. I'm a little like, I'm not, I, I go back and forth of how much I, I really, really enjoyed it, but I do agree with you. I think Anne Hathaway absolutely smashes this. Like, I think she's absolutely perfect. We were talking right before we started recording saying like, if she was able to act in, you know, classic film noirs and was in that era, she would have absolutely rocked it. And we can't believe she hasn't been used in this kind of way. I mean, that you see hints of that in different performances over her career, but like um, she is perfect as this kind of femme fatale character that comes into uh, this story. And, you know, I joked on Twitter saying it was Todd Haynes parole instead of Carol, because they work <laughs> yes. in a prison. Um, but, I got but it. I think Thomas and Mackenzie's great too. I've liked her in basically everything that she's been in and she has this kind kind of like she also looks much younger than she is i mean she's only 22 but like even that uh, sets the tone for this kind of weird vibe throughout this entire movie that kind of feels like a bunch of different genres like i think with that overhead of being a film noir but at times it's darkly funny um at other times it's weird and disturbing um it has a absolutely wild third act twist that um 
you know, I definitely didn't see coming and goes to some very, very dark places. Um, I just love the style of the movie. Like I, I love the look of it, the aspect ratio, the grainy film uh, nature, the kind of like creamy, like David Fincher style kind of like a color palette that the movie has. It's like very kind soft of and sensual soft and, like, and, and, yeah. and it kind of, again, like Ari Wagner is a cinematographer yeah. here who, you know, just Kills recently it. shot, um, uh, you know, uh, the power of the dog, power so of you, the dog. You, yeah. you, you have someone who is coming in and, and kind of establishing a tone within the visual aesthetic but also within the compositions in the framing i mean this whole story kind of plays within both the reality in which we see the perspective of of eileen played by thomas and mckenzie but also within her own mind and it's the only place that she has to escape the world she is living in so she's playing Mm -hmm. this prison secretary you know that's going back and forth between work uh at this at this juvenile detention center for boys and then going home to uh, an abusive alcoholic father um, who both of them have just recently lost um, their mother and their wife. And so they're kind of at this kind of crossroads and, and there's hostility between the two of them. And uh, Shay Wiggum's character is very uh, verbally abusive and, and uh, puts Eileen down to the point where like, you know, the, the, there's a mention of Eileen's sister. And even though she's, that character never materializes in, in a physical form, you get this sort of, again, punching down at somebody, but there's also something very much darker just underneath the surface that it's alluring to in terms of the dynamic between some of these characters. And so when Anne Hathaway's, you know, doctor comes in and, and kind of replaces the retiring physician, even her name, Rebecca St. John, a film yeah. noir ass name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hathaway is very much channeling, you know, Barbara Stanwyck, yeah. um, Lauren Bacall, uh, Gene Turney in, in, in that kind of that model of, of kind of, you know, the 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 ray of, of light in a very dark, dingy place and something that is alluring and promising of something maybe new and exciting and can kind of get you out of mm-hmm the mundanity of the world that you've been living in. And as we learn, you know, Eileen is somebody that over the past few years has really just been stagnating it, you know, between these two pillars that she's caught between, you know, her home and the, the, the prison. So when this happens and it happens during these two prisons, yes. It, well, I mean, it does. I mean, the, 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 the home yeah. situation feels, I mean, there's even a line that, that Shea Wiggum's character has where he says like, you know, he doesn't want to sleep in this bed because it's haunted. He's always sleeping on this recliner. You know, it's, it's, that's kind of interesting as well, where there's kind of a ghostly element to the proceedings that looms over it. Then even just setting it during Christmas, you know, during, yeah, Th- those days there's there's something also weirdly melancholy and depressing about the whole affair that kind of uh, occurs. But again, like you you see this kind of punch of of excitement when Hathaway's character comes into the situation, and it's just it's really interesting to think that one of the co writers of this, uh, Otessa uh, uh, Moshfeg, um, was the one of the co writers with um, Luke uh, Goebel. And they based both, on their novel too. Yeah, well, well, uh, uh, Tessa's uh, novel. Yes, it's not his yet because he because they yeah. wrote the script, they adapted it together. But it's her novel. But they also worked together on. They're accredited writers on Causeway, 
uh, the Jennifer Lawrence oh, movie. Okay. And yeah. so that's also just interesting thinking about how subtle a movie that is and how lived yeah. in it is. And this is playing in a more heightened tone. It's it's more stylized, but there are elements where you can kind of feel you know the 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 life lived of these characters as we're kind of dropped into the world of Eileen. Yeah, absolutely. Um also want to give a shout out to Richard Reed Perry's score. Uh he's a member of Arcade Fire who did the the score of this. Um and the next back- yeah. Oh, yeah. He did do this score for the nest too. Yeah. Um. Uh. Both great scores. I think that's fantastic. Um. Yeah. I think my only criticism of the movie is like, I think to its a little bit of its detriment. I didn't know what it was for a. It always kept me intrigued, which I think a good film noir or or psychological thriller um should do. Um. But I do think it it waits and and doesn't show its cards until not until it's too late, but almost a little, like a little too late where everything happens in that last act. And it happens very quickly um, where, you know, I like that lived in nature. I like just knowing Eileen's kind of mundane life and that she's fantasizing about people at the prison. And, and, you know, uh, this woman, this new alluring uh, doctor that comes in and hating her father and her home life and, and stuff like that. Like, I like all that. And I think, you know, it ends up making that last act even more shocking because it it kind of lures you in the sense of going like, what is this movie? There's this kind of eeriness. There's bursts of shocking moments um, and things like that. So, you know, it does go, oh, there's something, something darker is happening here. But I feel like that last kind of act and that final twist of what the movie actually is um, might take a little too long to get there um but that being said when it happens i'm i was completely caught off guard and i kind of knew going in that there was a darker you know underbelly to this movie but like i i was just like oh shit um and then you know it pops off in that last act and i think is really interesting and you know we don't want to go too much into it because i feel like that is one of the selling points of the movie, I think. And Eric and I talked about that. Why one reason why I think we like this movie quite a bit too is that there's multiple interpretations of of the ending and and what happens in the film and and why characters do certain things and, and stuff like that. So like I, I do think the more it's one of those movies that like I really vibed with its style. I loved its cinematography. Um, I loved we talked about the title treatment and the credits oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Like all that shit like is exactly my jam. Like you can tell in the opening minutes of a movie if I'm going to vibe going, okay, is there a reason they're shooting it in this aspect ratio? Okay, are they shooting it on film or at least making it look like film if if Ari Wagner shot it digitally? But like, um, I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't done that much research, but it has like such a good look. And then when those that title comes up, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm in. I don't care if this takes an hour to get to what it's actually going to be. But like, I'm I I almost wish that 96 minutes like I. I think it's perfect. Like it, it, it's, I think a very tight thriller in that time, but I do think like, you know, it takes an hour to get to that final point. So I think that's like one of my only criticisms of the movie is that it might take a little too long and people might, you know, not, you start to go, what is this movie? <laughs> like a little bit through it. And then, but the vibe of it and the score and the cinematography and like all that, and the performances are great, kind of keeps you interested until it kind of hits you over the head with that last act. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of understand what you're saying with like, 
you're you're trying to figure it out, but also I appreciate that quite a bit because again, the tone of this movie isn't just one thing. And I feel like internationally we're more accepting of, you know, like talking about like Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, you know, which won the Oscar where that movie can shift gears in one scene and go from suspenseful to comedic to melodramatic in one whole section of the movie and then kind of, you know, create a kind of tonal whiplash. When it comes to movies that are doing that in, in, in North America, I think there's a a, a a kind of discrepancy when people are watching North American films because they expect, okay, well, this is the genre I'm being marketed. Yeah. Or this is how it's being marketed to me. This is how it should play out. And so when you're watching this and when it kind of fluctuates between different styles and tones and even like that opening sequence where like, the, you know, you get the, the credit, but also the layering of, of, of the edit with the fog and in the actual sort of perspective Mm -hmm. of the opening of the car, like all of Mm -hmm. that kind of gives you an indication that this isn't going to just be one kind of style. It's, it's going to play within the facets of uh, the filmmaking. And so when you're you're watching this, you're kind of faucets, sorry, Eric, it's faucets, (laughs) faucets. Um, You're, you're, you're kind of, I think if you're willing to give yourself over to it, you'll be yeah. entertained. And like, even thinking again, like Thomas and McKenzie was also in the power of the dog very briefly. And the two hander in that oh, movie yeah. also kind of felt a little bit similar where there is this coded kind of, you know, um, LGBTQ plus relationship thing. And that's always been something that's been kind of hidden in movies that were made in the forties and fifties because of the censorship era and the board. And, 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 and so it was always coded. Like it was always kind of a way where it's like, you had to kind of suggest at it here. It's a little bit more overt, but it's still within the style of not spoon feeding you how the story is going to progress and where things are yeah. going to go. You might be familiar with the genre techniques and how these movies often play out, usually in a very mm-hmm. kind of dark and twisted kind of ending. Which um, is, it definitely does. <laughs> it does, but but there's something about it as well where like it does also have its own unique style and it's it's adopting and incorporating what's come before, but it's making it its own. And yeah, totally. it's just a really well-made neo-noir with two great performances and like again like hathaway is just so good and this is a supporting role like this isn't a carol rooney mara Kate blanchett where it's like one's the lead yeah Yeah. this is like it truly is a supporting performance but like every time she's on screen you're just completely captivated by what she's doing and watching it you're just you just you just honestly you're like like the dark knight rises i think had a little bit of that but I really do hope that not that she finds more film noirs, but she plays within more stylish kind of tone driven movies. And I guess Colossal kind of maybe comes in a little yeah. bit as well like that. But she's really, really good in this. And uh, it's a yeah. solid little film. I agree. And uh, quickly before we wrap up, I also think this script is really tight. Like, even though I would kind of complain that it took too long, but like, um, I feel like it it gives you those hints or not even hints because you couldn't probably predict it. Um, but I think it, it places those breadcrumbs in such a way when things come back in the, in the last half of the movie, it doesn't feel like that cheap, 
kind of writing trick of just like the Chekhov's gun or, or, or anything like that. Like it feels cleverly placed and cleverly used in those final acts where things that they set up in, in the first two thirds of the movie come into play and like, a, Oh, okay. Like I, I now understand that setup and those, I don't want to use punchline, but like the, the, the how they use the those payoff. kind of things uh, the payoffs thank you that's the right word that i'm looking for the payoff to all of those are is very satisfying so i actually want to give a shout out to the script as well so yeah uh, the more i talk about it the more i think i like this movie so i'm i'm gonna give it a 3.5 right now just based on some of those criticisms where it kind of took me a while to get into it but like this i feel like could easily go up to a four or like or even more like the more i think about it and the more i talk about it so uh, i'm gonna stick with a 3.5 out of five for now but like that could easily go to a four the more that i think about it i'm in the same boat where it's like i i think like it's a really good movie and like even just talking about it it could be a four or four and a half and i'm sure yeah. the more time i'll have to kind of think about it Maybe a rewatch too. Like I would rewatch this and knowing where it goes, because again, it doesn't overstay its welcome. And I think that's a really Mm -hmm. important thing where where (laughs) where the writing is succinct in telling you the story from beginning to end, but also giving you a full picture of the character that is at the center of this story and the world that she inhabits. And like, you know, we didn't even really kind of get into it, but I mean, you know, the, the caricature of those Boston accents, they're, they're there. And it is oh, yeah. kind of funny at times, especially when you have, you know, an actor who is from New Zealand, you know, putting on that kind of <laughs> yeah. thick accent. But, but it, again, like it's not distracting because it actually works within the context of this type of story and within this type of genre so yeah it's a three and a half out of five but again it could go up on a rewatch or by the end of this year you know like i could definitely be championing you know Anne hathaway's performance which i do think is just so good and um it's yeah it's just one of those like this is the movie you need (laughs) you need this kind of movie at sundance to remind you that like you know there's there is some really good stuff and there's some really good genre stuff specifically I absolutely agree. Uh, does, did it get picked up yet or no? No, it doesn't have distribution. It, it will. I mean, it'll get picked up by some company, but like it, it is, it's one of those films where it's like, again, you could really position this as an awards film in a lot of ways, just on the, the craft alone. I mean, there's a lot of really great like production design, the cinematography, the editing, uh, the script. It, there, there's so much... The, the the collaboration process between everybody on this kind of feels like everybody was on the same page and everybody knew the tone that they were going with and, and trying mm-hmm. to make this movie. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And sometimes you can have moments where it's like, oh, that doesn't feel like it fits within this type of story or this performance kind of feels either too grounded or, or, or too heightened. And everybody kind of modulates and adjusts perfectly within that kind of style and again it is a really gross movie at times like there there are certain things where it's like oh man this this is more unsettling than anything i saw in infinity pool (laughs) yeah i agree like there's and and it's and it's mostly all suggested or it's just like simple pieces of of little direction it's something we've talked about sometimes a character telling you something that happened off screen or at another point or just um, alluding to something else is sometimes more disturbing or scarier than actually just showing you a gratuitous version of it. So I definitely appreciate it's uh, uh, the film doing that. So yeah, I, I I hope it does get distribution. It's probably a hard sell for a theatrical release, probably. 
Um, like, well, maybe so like I an art see... house release. Right? Yeah, an art house would. Yeah, like yeah. I could. Yeah, definitely. But a neon A twenty four, even someone smaller. Um, Sony Pictures Classics. Um, Sony Compl- Pictures Classics. Yeah. yeah, but then I could also see a streamer taking a shot on it because of Anne Hathaway and and not shying away from those dark themes and stuff like that. So um, I hope it does get a release. Uh, Thank you all for uh, listening or watching. We really do appreciate it. Please go check out our reviews for fair play uh, and magazine dreams. Those are up for you guys right now. Uh, We'll also have more Sundance reviews over the next uh, week or so. So keep checking back to untitled movie reviews and we'll have new stuff uh, every day. Uh, please go check out uh, our newest podcast, which is called The Cast of Us. It's an untitled HBO Last of Us podcast. It's an after show where Eric and I get together and break down each new episode of HBO's The Last of Us, uh, scene by scene, uh, meticulously um, going through every moment in the show for little character moments, little Easter eggs, um, you know. Uh, the differences between the game and the show and things like that. Uh, So please go check that out on all podcast services and on YouTube. Newest episode of Untitled Movie Podcast is also out where we go over Oscar nominations as well as the Critics' Choice Awards. That's on uh, podcast services and YouTube as well. One-stop shop for everything, Untitled underscore movies over on Letterboxd. That's probably your easiest spot to find everything. Um, As always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com, and you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marshall. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. This shirt kind of fit this movie. I'm wearing a great movie city TV. Viewer discretion is advised. (laughs) Until next time. Christmas time in prison. The musical. Waiting for that movie.